0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers.
1: It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango joined by Alex Ferrario from 101 ESPN and Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic here to talk to you about all things St. Louis Blues and the NHL and whatever the hell else it is that we decide that we want to discuss Which what's
0: going on boys usually starts with that last one first and then we we like we
1: navigate our way through to hockey at some point really the issue is this and i'll be ver- listen i'm going to tell you something there's a i have a lot of faults but i'm very self-aware of these faults okay <laughs> it is because you guys or not you guys but like i am in charge of uh, uh of like the, the, this particular ship as far as how it goes. And so sometimes the way that I, you know, like steer this ship is how my brain works, which is all friggin over the place. <laughs> I love so, it. So that's just kind of how for that works. That don't
0: know, Donnie just did like a roller coaster motion for steering a ship. I'm not riding that ship with yeah. you, sir. Yeah,
1: no, you shouldn't. You shouldn't at all. The ship's not supposed to go up. And one of these days, and I think it's going to be pretty soon, we're going to, I mean, these all of these podcasts are going to be YouTubed. Oh, yeah. So you're going to be lucky enough to see all three you of our faces while faces. we do this. Well, Donnie, you're always in a good mood, and I
2: love the vibe when I come in here. That's what we always talk about. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's looked at me, too, when he said that. That is not the truth. (laughs) No, it is. It is. But I want to tell you, I'm in an extra particularly good mood vibe today because you know why? I know you're a music guy, and I love when we talk music on this podcast is because on the drive here... Yeah. Traffic notwithstanding. No, very true. The station said, coming up next, Motley Crew smoking in the boys' room. That's my jam. Motley Crew. I had their, can we? what do we call them, al- albums or LPs? Or- <laughs> what do we call which, them?
1: honestly, I want to know, what did you first have them on? Seriously. Cassette, CD, LP? Album. Album. Okay, yeah. so vinyl. Record. Yeah. So I had the vinyl. So, yeah, I, but I was back in the day, which,
2: you know, I, I know they did this in, what, the 70s, but I was 80s. Uh, you know, we would actually put a tack in the vinyl cover and pin it to the wall, right? Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, you did that, right?
1: I, I did not because no. I didn't want to put holes in the eye. <laughs> okay, there we go. Donnie just, like, <laughs> cringed his entire <laughs> inside,
2: like, no, I didn't do
0: that, you idiot. Ugh. I was wondering, when I got
2: halfway through that, I saw the no on your face. And uh, I'm yeah. like, oh. like, yeah. Okay, so I wasn't saving these things. But, but yeah, so back to Smoke in the Boys Room. Did you? Were you a Motley Crue
1: guy? Oh, absolutely yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, though. Um, I... Okay, so very much respect Motley Crue, and those are some amazing songs, especially the "Doctor Feel Good" record. Find a bad song on that record, you can't. Okay, but here's what I here's my issue with that band. Have you guys heard Vince Neil live in the last say fifteen oh. years? it's you know it's really bad but that's the last 15 years not 1987 well sure 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 but those albums still absolutely so you know what I mean and I remember smoking in the boys room specifically that was like one of the first songs that I remember hearing and going yeah Yeah. like (laughs) this is this is this is bad boy (laughs) stuff right here you know what I mean but I mean it 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 really was but that was like that's I mean a great American rock and roll band there in in Motley Crue I mean no doubt about it Vince Neil did also kill somebody but you know I guess that's another conversation nobody's those, nobody's there's, perfect say, there's probably a lot of those guys around there that we don't know about <laughs> there's
2: bad vibe donnie here
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry bringing out the truth about or a rock star honesty, singer I, I, I apologize but uh but you know what and i wish i would have gotten in while we're while we're talking about it i would have all i always wanted to see motley crew live if for nothing else to see tommy lee in, like, the oh, drum, yeah. like, do all the things in which the Tommy Lee does. Um, I had a chance to interview him a bunch of years ago, and he was amazing. Did like, you
0: ask him about the sex
1: tape? Uh, no, but he was promoting a record of a of a group that he did called Methods of Mayhem. And they only did one record, I think. So he came to this press thing in literally a trench coat and socks. And I, I am... I have no idea if he did have clothes on underneath. <laughs> I most certainly was not going to find out. Um, but, but I mean, like, even in, in saying that, though, like, uh, when people come in to, you know, like, to pump their stuff a lot of times, it's it can be a little, like, obnoxious. He was awesome. Was he? Like, he was just, like, a really nice dude that was just genuinely excited about this particular music project. So we got along, like, super fantastic, you know? But, again, the whole time, I'm thinking to myself... I wonder if that coat oh, is yeah. all that's between me and Mr. Tommy I, Lee. I would have been thinking the same thing, and I would have
0: slipped up at some question and inserted a word that I probably shouldn't have said because I was wondering if you're nude.
1: you like asking about <laughs> Adam. So tell me a little bit about this nude album. <laughs> I mean, new album, Tommy. That was, that was really one of the coolest days of my life, though, because I was there for the MTV Video Music Awards, oh, and wow. this was back when it was a thing in, like, 1999 or 2000. And so I did press at... Um, the New York Met Damn And so like It was just Like where we were set up Was just like amazing no, And well, so that, that like day Peak time frame too 99, 2000 for those music awards When I met Buster Rhymes that day And Wyclef And a whole bunch of other Like a whole bunch of other people But it was just like Kid in the candy store thing But I was still so early in my career I was just like Wide eyed And like oh my god Every bit of this is awesome <laughs> every bit now I'm jaded and bitter and stuff I don't know that I, would, I don't know that I would have the same sort of enthusiasm Donnie always jokes around with us how
0: like we keep it cool when we're in locker rooms around players I wouldn't be able to handle what he just said if I met some type of MTV music awards I would be panicking inside well the the thing is
1: man is that it took me a long time it took me a long time to figure out that the less nerded out that I was, the better the interview sounded. And, and so, like, it t- <laughs> right, right. I had a real bad one with Jimmy Eat World, and it was oh, not man, their I fault. Nerded out. I love that band so much. Yep. They had a record that legitimately got me through my divorce. Like, it got me through the divorce. And so I just wanted to have this moment with Jim Adkins, lead singer, where we talked about what is it like when blah, 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 blah. blah and it was just not right. <laughs> it was not the time. It was not the place. It was not the mood. It was not the vibe in which to do this. And I just felt so bad. So I'm hoping one day to get a, a, another, you know, another chance.
2: You know Jimmy what? Everybody's World. like this, though, because I remember, Alex, you probably see it too. Ryan O'Reilly, and a lot of the mm-hmm. players do it, but Ryan O'Reilly did it a lot, where he comes out even after a loss. They lose 6-2. Uh, he's frustrated with the game. He comes out and he meets a kid, right? And it's prearranged. And, mm-hmm. and I'm watching this take place a lot. And I see the young kid kind of stammer. And he's like, um, uh, r- r- you know, Ryan, and Ryan's really good about it. And he's like, it's okay. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever question you want to ask me here, I'm, I'll stay here for a while. And so finally the kid will get his question out. So I'm talking to uh, his wife, Dana O'Reilly, for a story shortly after I witnessed that with the kid. And I said, Dana, tell me about his favorite bands. And she starts naming a few of them. And, uh, and I said, so ha- has he met any of these guys before? And she said, oh, yeah, you know, you go backstage afterwards. And I said, what's he like? And she goes, he's sitting there shaking. <laughs> like, <laughs> know, right? It's like stammering, just like the kid. That's asking so awesome. a question Because he's in, 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 in the presence of his guys that he loves and adores. Yeah. Uh, but she said, yeah, it's happened more than one occasion. That's the
0: part that people forget, man. Those guys are, are- it sounds so stupid to say it, but they're human beings just like us. Like thinking about that where he's getting nervous to meet individual yeah. players or talking with like Colton Pareko about, you know, loving racing and getting to meet – I I witnessed him meet Kenny Wallace for the first time and you'd think Colton Pareko was like some kid in high school when he was meeting Kenny Wallace, you know. Like that's the kind of stuff. Or the other one was Alexander Steen. I remember doing a remote with Curbs and Steen and it was Bill McDermott who's a, a soccer Legend. nut here in St. Yeah. Louis. and watching steam just talk soccer with bill mcdermott you'd forget
1: the guy played in the nhl for 15 years it was
0: just incredible to see
1: i think it's really rad too man when we get to see these guys because then i think it also kind of minimizes the barrier between them as this athlete and us as like regular people yeah you know and and the thing about i think i'd heard a story about ryan o'reilly getting to meet gord downey the, the, right. the singer from the tragically hip that unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. And the, I had heard sort of the same thing that like Ryan was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe we're in the same room kind of thing. And I, man, I just absolutely love that part of me. Like that's part of one of the reasons that like, I don't like the, the being in the sports world full time does not sound completely appealing to me because there's still this sort of like awesome mystery about it. Mm-hmm. And I, the radio and the band side of things, yeah. uh, I know the, all the behind behind the scenes stuff here, and it makes me want to throw up. So I don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to know on that side. Right. I'm fine with I know over all here. Right, we won't tell you that. Yeah, it's, right, saying, it's already if you too do much. Another podcast will we'll ruin you if you'd like. Okay, so listen. I'm not trying to be an excuse maker here, even though I know there will be people that will accuse me of that. But listen, the Blues have not looked particularly fantastic in the last couple of games. Obviously, that goes without saying. And as I'm thinking about this last night, I looked up on my wall of my office, and there's the blue schedule. And since the 10th, it's virtually been, give or take, every other day. Mm-hmm. Like, this last two weeks has been a friggin' stretch for these dudes. Do you think that... You know, being a little bit of that gauntlet, do you think that 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 is maybe why these last couple of games have been a little bit more of a struggle?
0: I don't think so, yeah. I, I mean, because Damn as much it. I'm sorry, Donnie. Nah, I, that we are going to be positivity that, here, and I just crush it. I, nah, I that,
1: that was my that was my out for the loss That's all.
0: My only hesitancy with that is, I mean, they were off for two weeks for that All Star break, yeah. and yeah, you are playing a lot of games, but the travel hasn't been as awful as it was in the first couple of months of the season. Like, if I can go through this, you had the back-to-back set, which they played really well, going from Buffalo to Montreal, and then you were in Toronto, but you had, what was that, a day off in between? You had yeah. the Super Bowl Sunday off in between, and you didn't have legs in that Toronto game. Then you came home, and I mean, you've been home for four games. You know, well, four games would be the Thursday one, but you've also had the day off in between. You haven't had back-to-backs with it, so that's my my only hesitancy, and I know a lot of people listen would be like yeah that's an excuse I'm not pushing that side of it because they have played a lot of hockey up until this point and you are in the dog days of the season but man when you're off for two weeks and then you have those days off in between right. and you don't have legs where you had legs in back-to-back games against Buffalo and Montreal and you showed that you can be dominant against Edmonton yeah I was gonna say this the second period was their best period of the season
2: yeah. so if you can mix in you know that type of play in a stretch where maybe you haven't played well, you know I don't think that that's showing any sort of uh, fatigue level. I think what Alex said, yeah, they had the break with the uh, the All Star yeah. game and so on and so forth. But I, I just think that we're looking at like what, what we've said from the start of the season. You know, big picture, um, this isn't a great team. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're surprised that they're in a wild-card spot because it's probably about where they should be, but I think we all understand that the margin for error is small, yeah. and I think when they don't play well, they deserve to lose, and, and, and they are going to lose against – you know good teams and i think that's what we've seen in this last stretch you know you talk about the Toronto game in toronto you know they didn't have their legs they play a great game against uh, edmonton and then you got so much on the line against nashville that was
0: the part that was frustrating that's the
2: frustrating one especially when you have a tory krug talking afterwards about you know we just didn't have the support you know the defensemen yeah. turn around there's no forward there to to support them and then you know yesterday's game against uh, toronto uh, like drew bannister said they probably played Pretty good, okay, Mm -hmm. but there were just just horrible mistakes that the goals that the the puck was in the back of the net. So I, I just think we're still looking at big picture. Not a great team, trying to get into the playoffs and that if they slip up, they're going to pay
0: for it. And I'm I'm not going to be a hypocrite on the podcast because last week we talked about how this team, I felt like you need to invest in because they put themselves in a playoff spot. I still believe that. I still think your goaltending has been awesome. I still think your defense has been night and day better than what people expected it to be. Your problem's offense, and that's the area that you'd like to see them invest. The infuriating part is I think we're seeing a team like Jr. just mentioned, and it's part of the growing process. It's a team that they don't know how to flip the switch like i go back to that bubble season where they played in the playoffs and they were kind of easing their way through those play-in games and then they were like now we'll be good once the playoffs start you can't just flip that switch sometimes you have to have that mentality and like you played so well against edmonton i thought the toronto game in toronto was a was a blip on the radar but that Nashville one was the part I looked at, and it's like, man, this is a game where you have an opportunity to bury Nashville, yeah. six points ahead of them with one game in hand, and you come out and lay an egg against them. Not that they played awful, but like Tory Krug mentioned, how are you disconnected? How are you not using puck support when you just saw what puck support looked like against the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, yeah.
1: it is really fascinating. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, JR, but it is very like fascinating how... You know, like it can be there for these long periods of time, and then it sort of vanishes. Mm -hmm. But also, too, I think it speaks to, I mean, (laughs) the Blues' margin of error is so small. Like a quick mistake, and that's a goal on the other end. They just don't have a lot of wiggle room Mm -hmm. here because of the the you know the the depth is not where we would love for it to be. Yeah. But that said. That's what's kind of rad about this team is that, all right, last couple games haven't been great, but there has been a uh, a very nice body of work with Drew Bannister since he got here that makes us believe that, all right, a couple of bumps in the road, Thursday night, another day, you know, another couple mm-hmm. days off, Islanders are here, let's do it again. I feel like they can still... Catch the fire again and, oh, yeah. and start doing it again. Yeah, and prior to these two losses,
2: and they haven't been great, but prior to that, you won eight out of ten. Right? Yeah. I mean, you are going to take eight out of ten all season long against right? tough opponents yeah. too. It's not like they were pushover teams. Yeah, and Alex mentioned the switch. I was just going to say, Donnie, that uh, the Blues apparently don't have that switch. They're they're kind of like that pole string where you feel like you pull and you pull and you're like, <laughs> you're <looking> you are like looking up. That's the Nashville game. Like this game matters a lot. We got to beat this team. The third just below period us. you were pulling and yeah, you are like, what the and, hell? Yeah, what the hell's going on? And then the other part of this is uh, after this Islander game. They play eight of nine on the road. Yeah. Oh boy. And and they've been decent on the road in the the last stretch, but you know, obviously, that's always going to be a challenge. So, So, uh, and they're
0: tough opponents too. Like those are all playoff teams you're going up against, or teams that are fighting for a playoff spot. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's Detroit who's in a playoff race, Winnipeg who has had your number, Edmonton, and then you've got Minnesota. I think Philly. Okay, Philly who's in playoff space? Playoff team. uh, New Jersey playoff team. Rangers playoff team. Boston playoff team. Like, every game you're playing on the road is going – and is that all the way up to or is that past the trade deadline? It, it
2: extends past the trade deadline, like two more games after the deadline. So the deadline's on the 8th, and then you're going to have the Philly, Islander, and then Jersey game leading into the deadline. And
0: before that, you're going to have two teams in the cent- – or one in the Central – one no, two in the Central, one in the Western Conference that you're three teams playing with Edmonton, Minnesota, and Winnipeg. So, like, trade deadline on March 8th, we might all believe one thing. Doug Armstrong might be looking at it and say, well – The way I gauge this team is how you play against playoff contenders. You dominated Edmonton, but Toronto two times, and now you've got a stretch of eight to ten games playing against all playoff contenders. What do you look like?
1: Well, and also, it's going to be very interesting over the course of these next couple of weeks because we're going to find out more which teams are buyers, which teams are sellers, who's going to be moving. I mean, with things as crazy as they are in the East and as unsettled as they are in the West, I mean... I I think that it's still I think there are teams that still have yet to determine mm-hmm. whether or not they are buyers or sellers. Maybe the Blues are even one of those teams. I think you, you I'm sure
0: you're gonna have to listen on all cylinders, which is what Doug Armstrong's going to do, but like I, I think the Blues are in such an interesting situation because right now everybody wants defense and you've got defensemen that are playing well. Um with the news of Jake Gensel not being available till past the trade deadline now he could still get traded if I'm not mistaken I don't know if you can get traded when you're injured I believe you can but if he's injured I don't know teams are going to be trading for Jake Gensel what other forward is on the market that's available via trade that is on the same tier as Jake Gensel I'm not sure there's many of them around the National Hockey League to where you look at the Blues and maybe a team says They've got Pavel Buchnevich that you look at. Now, I'm not saying you trade Buch, but we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Like, the Blues are in such an interesting position to where if they want to buy, they might be able to kind of fly under the radar because everybody wants defensemen and the Blues could look for a forward. But if they want to sell, they might have more pieces than what we thought at the beginning of the season that
1: they were going to have at this time. Okay, but here's my question. If you are still flirting with this playoff race, and we have the idea that maybe we could have the Jimmy Snuggerood effect maybe coming in to help out at some point, which I know that's a lot to put on a kid that's just coming through with college, but, you know, maybe he can provide a spark. Like, I'm just very fascinated with where they are sitting right now in the playoff position and how that is going to... You know what I mean? Do do you keep Booch for that, or I mean, because I cannot even imagine what they would get for that dude. Yeah, it would be something substantial.
2: I really think you know. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too. You sit here and we talk about this next stretch of games. You know, is this going to help determine? And and I think that Doug Armstrong, by and large, already has his mind made up about what he wants to do. And I think if he were sitting in the room here or if he were listening to this podcast, he would say, you know, guys, I mean, look at this team. You see the team. You know, yeah, do we have a chance at the playoffs? You know, but I'm not going to go out and make a significant move like we've been saying all season. And you look at them right now. They're in the wild card spot, 60 points. They just lost to that team, Nashville, right below them. You look at Minnesota. Minnesota, how about that game come yesterday? Comeback win against Vancouver they, in what, overtime. Whooped them. Seven yeah. goals in, what, the third period, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so they come back and beat the number one team in the league, Vancouver. Um, so you're in the mix here is my point. But going back to Doug Armstrong for a minute, I think that you know he's probably going to hang on to – these UFAs because as we've said, you know, fourth, fifth round draft pick Doesn't what's that going to do for you? If you're going out into the trade market before the deadline, you know, there's going to be a ransom on some of the guys that are available, so you're probably not going to get into that market and from what I've been told is that if there's any sort of chatter about a Pavel Buchnevich trade or one of these guys I think that they're going to have to knock Doug Armstrong's socks off. He's not going to dismantle this team at the trade deadline when he can do this next offseason. After you see what happened mm-hmm. in the playoffs, hey, let your team try to make the playoffs, right? And now that's not to say that a Tory Krug or somebody else can't be uh, dealt at the deadline. You know, I've ha- I have I've heard some scuttlebutt in the last week or two about teams being interested in Krug. Now, would Doug Armstrong and the Blues have to eat some salary? That's three years. Yeah. You know? So you can talk about your next three years of the retool, and if you're – you know, retaining salary, that's part of your You're cap. You're doing what Minnesota's yeah. doing. That's part of your cap the next few years. And then with Bucinevich, too, there were some teams following him on the trip that I went on to uh, Toronto, Buffalo. Uh, there were teams that were eyeing and Bucinevich, Uh and, and the word is that, uh, you know, they're going to call the Blues about him. But, again, I go back to Doug Armstrong just said, okay, well, yeah, I have to offer right is is tremendous what, then we'll do it. Well, and
0: to Donnie's point, like b- by no means am I advocating that you just trade Pavel Buchnevich for a first round pick. I'm on the, the 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 side of where JR's at. Like this has got to be one of those moves that you look at and you say you can't say no to this deal. You're making a trade for an NHL player that also comes back in return, that plays in your top six, or a defenseman that plays in your top four, on top of a first round pick. Like you're not just making the trade to make the trade, because like JR mentioned, you could trade him in the off season, still get a playoff run out of it, and then look at it and say, all right, well let's see, because there's still one year left on him, and teams get negotiating rights. So there's no reason to trade him just to trade him. The reason we're bringing it up, And the reason I said it was because, man, if Pittsburgh doesn't have Jake Gensel available to trade, there's teams that will say, we need a forward. We need somebody to round out this roster. That's where you get to blow the socks off side of it. Now, the Torrey Krug one, I think, is interesting. And I'm curious your parts on it, Donnie, because we talked last week about how he's been playing. Yeah. I feel crazy to say it because we've talked so much in the past about how you free up that space. You give playing time. Tori Krug might be one of those guys that I look at and you say it's going to have to be better deal than just give me something so you take his salary on it because Tory Krug has played well for you in the past twenty games I would say yeah do you look at that now and you say well yeah we just want to get rid of the six and a half million dollars I don't know if you want to do
1: that I mean I listen first of all if you're looking for some sort of like rational angle to this you're looking at the That's wrong guy to you. all right but I think the thing to go back just a bit the thing that. JR I th- you keep me level headed damn you JR because I get ahead of myself because <laughs> I just it, it, I think I just have a tough time going like hey they're they're a bit above 500 they are what they are and there's not a damn thing wrong with that mm-hmm. they have had a good I think I feel like there has been some really great moments in this blue season that makes me super excited for next year, whether they make the playoffs or not, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that Snuggerud and, and Dvorsky and all those guys, but I just get ahead of myself because I love playoff hockey more than anything else. But you got to take, I, it, it's very great that you both said that about Doug Armstrong, probably already knowing what he's going to do, probably already knowing what he's, what he's thinking about the team. That is something that I don't think that I I, I had really kind of, you know, taking it. But I guess the question is, do you love a week of playoff hockey? <laughs> <laughs> That's the real question. Yeah. Now, if you yeah. ask Tom Stillman that, I would say yeah. yeah, sure, i love a week, as long as there's two home games. But you know, though, but again, I go back to what we talked about last week, man. I don't think that the Blues I would agree. be an easy out. I, I, I think that one thing we have seen over the course of the last couple of weeks... Um, and maybe not the last couple of games necessarily, but we have seen this team start to fight and start to fight for each other. And again, it's not all there as much as we would want for it to be, but there is a level of pride here that maybe I didn't see earlier on in the year that makes me go, man, when you get in the playoffs... I don't know. I'm not saying that they would beat Vancouver, whomever they'd have in that first-round matchup, but I'm saying I don't think that they would be a push
2: No, I agree with you. I think the fight is there more so than it's been this entire year, and I think the goaltending is, is obvious, and, and that's that's going to win you a series, can can win you a series. The only problem is the 5-on-5 scoring, and, yeah. and we didn't see it uh, yesterday. You know, it's it's been a tough go the past few weeks with the 5-on-5 scoring. If you look at the numbers, you know, they're, they're down in the league in terms of the 5-on-5, and, you know, I don't want to use the cliche that you get into the playoffs and You know, there's not going to be many power plays the power play has been better right but you know are you going to earn the penalties or are you going to convert in the playoffs mm-hmm. on the power play it's going to come down to five-on-five scoring so you can have a ton of grit in the playoffs and you can have the goaltending but you're still going to have to score
0: and right now speaking of that scoring I mean you've got five guys that are scoring goals for you on the offensive side I mean Robert Thomas has been doing it Jake Neighbors, obviously Kyra's been doing it but it has been a very up and down and or inconsistent miss. pace Pavel Buchnevich has kind of disappeared uh, and then you've got Braden Jen, who carried you on your back for a little bit, but then he's disappeared. But, I mean, I didn't say the name Caspery Kapanen. I didn't say the name Kevin Hayes and Brandon Saad. Now, I know Saad scored in that last game, but that was the first game – that was the first goal that was not an empty net goal. I think in 11 straight games for Brandon Saad. Power play, too. I, 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 yeah, power play. Thank you. That that you Drew Bannister was using Kevin Hayes and Brandon Saad as a fourth line yesterday. Yeah. That's, that's concerning when those guys are getting – eight minutes a night and not converting because they were matched up against the Ryan Reeves line in that Toronto game uh, the other day, and you weren't getting any offense from them. So right now, Drew Bannister's at the point where it makes more sense to play Alexei Torovchenko, Nathan Walker, and Oscar Sundquist over Brandon Sod and Kevin Hayes. That's concerning. And and we touched on uh, the name Buchnevich in terms of trade rumors, speculation.
2: Alex, what is going on? With Pavel Buchnevich. He just, I know he scored yesterday, but, you know, the turnovers and the inconsistent play with Pavel Buchnevich. I
0: wonder if he's still got lingering effects from that injury. Curbs and Joey and I were talking about that during a commercial break. Like, I don't know what it was that kept him out, but he just doesn't look like the same player that he looked like pre that injury. And we know what Pavel Buchnevich looks like. He's one of the best defensive forwards on the team. He's a two way player. But yeah, you're talking turnovers, you're talking. Puck's kind of sliding off of his stick when he shoots it. And I mean, Booch is one of the most humble guys where he'll tell you like he's been terrible and he needs to be better. But I-, I just wonder if he's just, if something's still lingering with him because he does not look the same. That top line has not been playing well together. I mean, it's been so spread out. There was a play against Toronto that they went in the zone. You had Booch fighting for a puck. Thomas was kind of hovering around the face off dot and Cairo was along the four, far boards. I, I, I just don't know when you look at top lines that you see them so spread out like that, and I think that's part of the inconsistency with the even-strength offense.
1: Okay, and I know that this is not the answer. Please understand that before I say what I'm going to say, I realize that this man is not going to come in and change the world. But when we talk about Jimmy Snuggerud and we talk about him potentially being here, is that somebody that can help at all? So the only thing is,
2: I just... I just deal in worst-case scenarios in terms of the timing of it. Like um, his season is going to go until – the April. end of March,
1: oh boy. for sure, because okay.
2: they're going to make the regionals, and the regionals are in the end of March. And then if they qualify, and I know they're not the favorite to to go to the Frozen Four, but if they go to the Frozen Four, that's in early April. So I mean, you're talking about just a couple, three, four games Got left on the blue schedule mm-hmm. after the Frozen Four. Now, if they get knocked out in regionals, and he shows up on April Fools, first of all, I'm going to do an April Fools joke on you, right? Nice. <laughs> nice. But, but he'll, he'll, I think he'll be here eventually. But how many games will be left? Yeah,
0: okay. I, I. I had John Bouchigras, who ESPN, but does covers a lot of college hockey, yeah. had him on one of the pregames a couple of days ago, and he even said, like, Snuggerud's game is going to translate to the NHL because he's got a shot. Now, having a shot is also, you have to be reliable defensively, and you're not going to see him out there late in games. But if the shot's there, does it help at even strength? I I, I think so. But like JR mentioned, I mean, we could be talking. So Matthew Nyes and that Minnesota team last year went all the way to the Frozen Four. And Nyes didn't get to Toronto and play until, like, the final three games of the regular season. Wow. So, I mean, we could be talking, in like Jared mentioned, maybe you get bounced in the regionals and you're there early. Minnesota's not the powerhouse that they were last year, but maybe five, six games that you're going to get out of him. And then you get to the decision where Doug Armstrong, and I know he said that that's not going to come into it, but... You get to the decision. Do you want to burn a year for six games right. of his entry level contract if you don't make the playoffs, or do you want to do an amateur tryout to where it's just you're playing in the
1: AHL this season and next year you start fresh? Yeah, that's, I was, I, I that I did not realize. I did not realize the timing. But that, what's so crazy is that Minnesota team a couple of years ago must have been friggin' loaded. Oh, yeah. B- because aren't they still like, I mean, even though we're talking about it, they might not make the, but aren't they still like a top 10 team in the country? Oh, I think or something? they're top five yeah, or top Yeah, seven. they're fantastic. I was actually
2: thinking about that a couple days ago. Because you saw that Nye's goal yesterday uh-huh. for Toronto, and then Logan Cooley doing his thing, and then Brock Faber yep. is like a, uh, you know, he's in he's, he's in, the in the conversation for the North of the year, a rookie of the year rather in uh, in in Minnesota. He's been outstanding, just playing like twenty five minutes a night. I know. So yeah, they they lost to Quinnipiac right mm-hmm. uh, in the in the championship yep. game uh, just uh, last year. So. It's a good team, still top 10, but uh, don't have the
1: team that they had last year, Donnie, so could lose in regionals, could see Snuggerud at that time. So there is no... that, there's no uh, knight in, in shining armor uh, that can that can that, that's going to come along and, and help this offense. Maybe knight in rusty armor. <laughs> Maybe it's Just a knight that's like is that like Scooby Doo? Just, just a knight. Is that it's not, not going to be real any... or is it fake? Not, What's going on here? There, there's Kids. no. <laughs> <laughs> I used a Scooby Doo reference. Come on now. <laughs> that's fantastic. God, I loved that show. Me too. When it, And it, when when they, when they would make the special guests like the Harlem Globetrotter yeah. episodes are like the my Harlem very favorite. No way. Get it. I was yelling
2: at
0: my brother. Get in here. The Globetrotters are on Scooby Doo.
1: I get way too excited for Scooby-Doo and my one-year-old's like, what are you, what are you turn on Mickey or something. Settle down, Dad. Yeah. Settle, settle down. Uh, so, I can, I've can. i watched this video a bunch of different times, and you guys are probably going to laugh at me when I even ask this question, but uh, Jordan Bennington gets a fine. Oh, God. Um. And I've looked at the video, and I'm being honest, I can't tell if he does it on purpose. But- the way in which the timing breaks down i feel like he might have done it on purpose i i i i, I don't know i and even if he did do it on purpose, it just still makes me love him that much more. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you
2: went 50-50 on this because I, I went into the gas station by my house and, uh, you know, I talked to the guy behind the counter all the time, talked blues hockey or whatever, and, you know, he's a huge fan. And he said, he did not do that on purpose. Yeah. And I looked at him, I go, come on, listen. I go, here's my analogy. You know how in high school between uh, classes – you would see the same exact person in the same exact spot crossing you in the hallway because you know they were on a time schedule. You were on a time. Oh, there's Bill. He's at that spot, same time. Everything, and and so. Jordan Bennington knows the path that those guys take, and they know exactly what they're doing, exactly when they come around, exactly, like, okay, I'm going to hit him, let's get the stick out, bang. It's 100% on, on purpose, is where I'm coming from. It, yeah,
0: it, yeah, it was. Like, come okay. on, it's Jordan Bennington. But, like, my problem with this is, of course, as soon this dude has had a clean record all season. Like, he has been... He has been the picture of sainthood compared to what he's been in the past. And one blip on the radar, a high-sticking on a guy where, yeah, he's probably pissed off how the game went. Sure, fine. And then, of course, everybody comes out of the wardrobe, ah, oh, Jordan Bennington, he's the trash of the National Hockey League. Yeah. Get this guy out of here. He's insufferable. What are we, like, why? Just because Jordan Bennington threw the stick up. Guys, Mark andre Fleury does this on a regular basis with the Minnesota Wild and the Pittsburgh Penguins. And people think it's hilarious. People think that is funny. Jonathan Quick used to cross-check people in the head when he was with the L.A. Kings. And people are like, ah, oh, it's just Jonathan Quick doing his thing. Bennington has one slip-up, and he's the worst
1: player in the National Hockey League. Well, he's definitely, like, he's hate. I mean, oh, he is hate. Yeah, he's, he's hated. earned it. That's why. Oh, 100%. Right, yeah. And, and you know what? It just it, pisses me off so much when people freak
0: out over something like that.
2: Like, I, because they go three months, four months without seeing Bennington, and then their team plays them. And, you know, I love Chris Mason to death. The goaltender used to play for the Blues. Now he's on right. the Nashville broadcast. And I heard the Nashville broadcast, yeah. and he said, there's Jordan Bennington for you. You know, that's who he is. That's what he said on the air. And that's because that's what they see. So if your team doesn't see Jordan Bennington for two or three months, and all of a sudden they right. pull something like that again, you're like, okay, that's who he is.
1: It is so crazy to me, the national narrative on Bennington. I know. He is not looked at. As the he is on the broad scope, he is not looked at and appreciated as the fantastic goalie that he is. Am I saying he's the best goalie in the league? No, but I think that there's there's not a lot of guys that you're going to choose before him. But I well, there's twelve more
0: of them if you look at ESPN's list, and Connor Ingram's one of them. (laughs)
1: I don't even understand that. You brought that up to me last. So week. we had
0: Greg washinsky on Friday of BK and Ferrario. Noted and like, Bennington hater. Yes, but like I love Greg. I think Greg does incredible work. But Greg also does not like Jordan Bennington. But he pulled the NHL GMs and executives. He's like, I didn't make this list. That was them. But even we asked him, we like, have you, have you softened your blow on Jordan Bennington? He's like, no, because he's the same guy. But he's not the same guy. Like, this season, from what he has done, is more like what he did in the first two seasons. We're talking two different parts of Jordan Bennington. We're talking his first two years where he won a cup, was an all-star, and then this season, where if you look at it, he's had one bad month, one month where his save percentage has been below 9.05. Everything else has been 9.10 and above. And then you have the two years where post-COVID, and then last season where Jordan Bennington's numbers don't look great. But the narrative is, well, he's the same guy. What same guy? The two
1: years where he's been bad or the three years where he's been good? Well, and also, too— that Blues friggin' defense last year from not only yeah, yeah. not only the defensive side, but the forwards was yeah. friggin' brutal, and he was left on a goddang island a lot of times, too.
2: But that, that, that's what I'm saying because I agree with, with Alex, you know, but we're here in St. Louis, and we see what he does on a nightly basis, you know, saving this team's bacon – what the other people are looking at it, and I'm guilty of it too. When I go on radio stations and whatever, Pittsburgh or Edmonton, and and you know we talk about their goaltending, I can only give them the perspective of either what I catch on the mm-hmm. highlights or when they play the Blues, right? And and so what these people are basing it on is they look at the stats, they see the 905. If you want to look at, at expected goals or all that stuff, and they see Bennington is down, you know, the past couple of years, and then they throw in the antics, and that's how they formulate their opinion, but. You know, whether it be Darren Pang or Alex, you see every game, Donnie. You know, we, we watch every game. We see how good this guy is. I think we we should focus on what the narrative is. Is with a guy like Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman who talk about Jordan Bennington being. In the conversation for the Team Canada yeah. goaltender in the Olympics, yeah. I mean, to me, that carries more weight than what
0: somebody says about Jordan Bennington's right. regular. And season. Then you know what? I'm guilty of it, JR. I get way too worked up over people that just get on Twitter and start making comments. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What? <laughs> well, because, I, know, I know. Well, who because I wonder if you and I read the same tweet. From, yeah, from the Nashville Predators guy. I I don't remember who yeah. who it was, but he was all up in arms mm-hmm. about Jordan Bennington's behavior. And J- oh, it's, it's weird. Sh- Shut he up. He sounded like that, too. <laughs> in his tweet, he sounded just like that. Like, like, it, it, give me another reason to hate the Predators more. I don't even know that it's possible. And the only reason that I don't even hate them I- I- even more now is because Ryan O'Reilly's there, yeah. and he's almost kind of my hockey Jesus. Like, I, <laughs> I I, love that guy so friggin' much, but, God, everything about that team, everything about th- it's just Freaking obnoxious! I want to go to a game in Nashville, and I want to have a couple drinks, well, you and, I wanna, and I want to, and I want to talk. Well, you can't get in. You don't have a zip code
0: from Nashville. They don't let you get oh, in. That's oh. right. And They're I refuse yeah. to
1: wear a cowboy hat and cowboy boots to a GD hockey game for the love of friggin' Pete. Nailed it. Sorry. Here, uh, guys. You
2: could go down there and get two events for one, maybe a Rascal Flatts concert and a Blues and Nashville game.
0: Oh, yeah, you can. It's at the same building. Technically, we could put the cowboy hat on. Like, we could just say, Donnie, you were at a Rascal Flatts concert and a hockey game broke out.
1: I have one more question for you guys before we wrap this thing up here today. One serious question. No, it's, like, not serious, but serious. So, uh, I went to the game against Edmonton, uh-huh. all right, and uh, I had seen Connor McDavid live before, and I – is completely taken aback that a man that is that friggin' big has as much speed and skill as he does. There was a particular play where all in one motion, he, like, lost control of the puck but then kept control of it and then, made like, shot the puck. It was just... St- Stop it, stupid. I can't even do that (laughs) in a video game, all right? I would just like to know. The Blues have played Toronto a couple times in the last couple of weeks, so you've seen Austin Matthews. We see Nathan McKinnon a lot just because we're in the central with the abs. Guys, who is the best player in the National Hockey League right now? Ooh, that's a good question.
2: Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for coming up to the press box and saying hi. Alex said Donnie's here tonight, and I said get out
1: of here. He's down in the seats taking <laughs> Don, pictures. Donnie was Can Donnie we, was guys debating taking the shirt off and waving it. Guys, but, I had I made the most perfect plate of nachos in that in oh, that in that box. There jealous. was no way I was leaving to go hang out <laughs> with you guys at all. They, they, it was just dude. I mean, it was like the perfect pile of nachos. He's so got there was, nachos. He's seen the food that's up in the press yeah, box. He's yeah. like, I'll stay down here. It's popcorn. Yeah. And I like, and I can't bring food up there, and so. It's no, Corn no. from
0: last season. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about somebody else in food here. JR feels just at home. Thank uh, God. I think if I had to answer, I, I think I would say the best one. Man, this is tough because, like, Nathan mckinnon has got a Stanley Cup behind him, so like it's hard to debate that where the other two don't. But. I would still say Connor McDavid's the best one because of what he can do, like not taking anything away from Nathan McKinnon, but like Connor McDavid can take the team on his shoulders and carry you through a game. Not that Nathan McKinnon can't, but like you mentioned it, like plays that he makes. I don't know if two other guys could make the same play combined like Connor McDavid does. I love the goal scoring of Austin Matthews, but we've seen in the past that dries up in the playoffs and that's that's hard to build around. So it would come down to McKinnon or McDavid. And I think I would just from the speed and the skill factor, I would go McDavid. Yeah.
2: Three names. I think of obviously Matthews, McKinnon, and McDavid. Yeah. Uh, if you want the goal scoring, it's Matthews. Absolutely. He, he's going to be the leader every year. Uh, McKinnon, he's my favorite to watch, actually, because he just says, hold my beer, and he goes end to end. And he's got an attitude, too. Yeah. He yeah. He's got a pissy attitude, he which is, is fun. He does. He looks pissed off all the time. And, and uh, when he takes a puck in the offensive zone and just starts circling, it is yeah. literally like a vulture <laughs> out on a Jefferson County road looking at like a rodent. <laughs> Honestly, on. nailed it. It, it is. <laughs> and then, uh, but McDavid, it, you know, I, I want to say he's the guy that I'd start the team with if I was GM in and I had to pick a team it's just that skating and that elusiveness Mm -hmm. is just through the roof and there's nobody like him in that regard so you know I don't want to say he's more toughness because you know he's (laughs) such a skilled guy but I'm just saying I think that if you started your team with him and then built around him
0: you can't lose there. who's the fourth guy that comes into that conversation so like those are the three who's the next guy that comes up because for me it's Leon Dreisidel. And, like, I could hear every argument for Crosby, for Ovechkin, for Matthew Kachuk. but Pasternak. Pasternak. But, man, my next one would be Leon Draisaitl Because of what Donnie said about the size of McDavid not being able to do that, Leon Dreisidel is just as fast, and he's big, and his one-timer is so deadly. Like, he's the next guy I think I'd bring up in that conversation.
1: Man. I, I mean, I, you guys watch a lot more, like, on a whole than I do – Man, see, because my my thought on the on the top three, w- w- and I was kind of starting to wonder if I was crazy for liking McKinnon more than the other two because he does have a little bit of that snarl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so, like that kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I I don't I don't know that I am qualified enough to answer that question. Honestly, you I asked it, you have to answer it. <laughs> oh, well, shoot, <laughs> well, shoot. I mean, I, man, I honestly, I might say Matthew Kachuk because. I the way that that team plays and follows his lead, yeah. I just I, I don't know. That probably brings into me being a homer because he's from St. Louis. I don't know. See, I don't know. These are tough. These are the no, tough that's conversations. A good he's in the.
0: He's
2: in the. Well, mix.
1: and he just yeah. took the team on his shoulders for the last month and put him in first place in their division. It just it's just so amazing to me to watch these guys. And again, just a, being a fan of hockey, just watching them do what they do, it's freaking amazing. Oh yeah. And I honestly believe, and maybe this is just me. Drinking the Kool Aid, but if people that like sports that say they don't like hockey could just go to a game mm-hmm. and just watch and see it, it's it, it is the skill set on these dudes is incredible, and it just keeps getting better, which is unbelievable to me. What are these guys going to be able to do in friggin' 10 years? Fly, for the love of Pete? They're <laughs> halfway there right now, uh, watching McKinnon and uh, McDavid. Alright, so give a couple of dates here real quick, guys. Trade deadline is when? March 8th. March 8th. Mm-hmm. So we have got just over a couple of weeks to see how this all shakes out yep. for the Blues and for the league. Mm-hmm. And honestly, too, as far as the NHL goes, this sucker's wide open for the Cup, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, this thing is... if. Feels to me as wide open as it has been in, in, in the last few. Years. Especially in the Western Conference,
0: I couldn't tell you today who I would pick as my favorite to get to a Stanley Cup because I could make an argument for five teams.
1: I feel like Vegas is holding it down like Tampa has mm-hmm. done in the last couple of years. Like like they're like they're just they're just pacing everybody, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're going to know when they got to kick into that extra gear. And then we're going to see the night.
2: Yeah, I think there's eight or ten teams that can win the Cup. And we'll see what happens with this trade deadline. You mentioned that date. That's going to change things a little bit in yeah. terms of who does what. But we at The Athletic the other day had a uh, you know, who's going to make the playoffs, and we have to do this like once a month, and, and who's going to win the Stanley Cup. And I put uh, Winnipeg in the West, and my editor sent back a message that said, uh, oh, tree falls in the woods, <laughs> uh, Stanley Cup final there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who was your Eastern Conference? Yeah. Team? Was
2: it Florida?
1: Florida. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. boy, boy! Winnipeg, that, Florida. That is one North yeah. America would just be chomping to see. Yeah. Oh, Winnipeg say, and Florida. I can't
0: wait to see the TV ratings on that one. Some Winnipeg, Canada, and some Florida Panthers action. Yeah. I kind of almost wanted to happen just to see. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't do that. As long as we're doing dates, though, dates because you
2: said two dates, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Jeremy's birthday. Oh, what is it? April fifth. Oh
0: just let's make sure I'm we just keep town. that in mind. Sorry, I'm uh- at a Rascal Flats concert. <laughs> We always got to go back to that. Always.
1: That just it's it's the band of last minute blues podcast. Alec, no. I think we should make it an open with I will, La- uh, I will, life as highway. I will quit. I I love you guys. You are the best dudes. You are two of my favorite people. <laughs> but I will quit. I did send him a text this week, right? I took a video as of. Oh the- yeah. Of what was the Bon? Jo- which Bon Jovi song is that? Because that is another level of crappy Bon Jovi yeah, song. What was it, it? It's, a, it's, it's, it's it's a my my it is it, is my, it's my life or something.
0: Is it? It's my life. That is a crappy Bon Jovi yeah. song. Oh. I, like bon I took a video of the
1: dashboard
2: with the song playing in my car and sent it to Donnie. He was like, "This is not necessary. <laughs> this
1: and, and it's just because it, it is like because the the, the um, like the the bad medicines and the living on a prayers. Some of those you know, man. All right, I get Old it. Old school, I, I, I got it. All right, but 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 there is a, a particular threshold, and Aerosmith crossed it too, where they went from being like this, like classic or like rock band to this like modern AC conglomeration of just. Crazy Rap. And I mean specifically that Aerosmith "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" song. <laughs> like, you like, mean the cliche wedding song of every wedding? How can you have a discography that features friggin' "Love in an Elevator" and, and 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 you one of the greatest collaborations of all time with Run DMC, and then you oh, do yeah. "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing" from the friggin' Armageddon movie? I just hope you got paid. <laughs> that that that's <laughs> all. Mean, great song though, am I right? stuff. Alex, you cannot believe that's a good song. You can't tell me that
0: when Liv Tyler kissed Ben Affleck before they got on that ship, when I Don't Want to Miss the Thing started, you didn't start crying. (laughs) You didn't start tearing up a little bit when Bruce Willis was talking to Liv Tyler, and you knew the ship was going to crash, and you heard Steven Tyler's voice come on the radio. This is all new level when Donnie doesn't respond, because usually Uh, it'd be And his eyes
1: bug out. (laughs) It's it's a game I probably shouldn't invest in. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast for my homies, Alex Ferrario, even though the taste is questionable, Uh, Jeremy Rutherford, our dude's Jeremy Rivers, and we're always thinking about our friend Jeff Burton. Thank you very much for listening to the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.